You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Well, this is a good topic, y'all. This is a good topic. I am pleased to announce in today's study, if you haven't already noticed, on the subtitle above verse 14... Uh, if you are a brand new Christian, then this might sound weird to you, but if you have been a Christian for a long time, you know that this 2 Corinthians chapter 6 passage is one of the best passages a youth pastor can talk on. Youth pastors all the world love talking about this passage. It is one of the best passages in all the Bible because it's on relationships and dating. <gasps> dating. Oh no, he said the D word, dating, the good D word. <laughs> dating. Don't do the other D word, okay? Dating and relationships, yes, I know. Uh, this is a great topic, all right? Hooray, yay! Second Corinthians chapter six on dating and relationships, but here's the ticker, because it is the Bible. We're gonna be talking about dating, dating God's way, dating God's way. What does God ask for us in our dating relationships? And I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands of who's dating right now. If you're dating someone in this youth group right now, I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands. I'm not gonna do that, all right? I'm not gonna do that, we don't wanna know. We really don't want to know. It's gross, okay? We don't, want, we, don't want, we don't care about your drama and your dating relationships and what's going on, all right? Are there, if there's triangles, like some girl likes this guy, but this guy likes the other girl, and this girl doesn't hate hates this girl, and this girl like, wants to beat up this girl because he likes this boy, this boy is clueless, doesn't even know about this other girl. Just a tr- stupid triangle. There's drama everywhere. That was never me. I'm just saying there's drama everywhere, okay? That's a circle, too. Here's the triangle. See how I was good in geometry? Yeah. Dating God's way, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And I love this because we're going to talk about what it means to date as a Christian. What it means to date as a Christian. And then later in life, you get engaged. Later after that, you get married. All right, we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to talk about dating, all right? Courting, if you will, in the 1950s. We courted. Dating. And dating God's way. What does God ask of us in our dating relationships, which ultimately leads to marriage, all right? God's very particular and specific on godly relationships that lead up to marriage, all right? That's our discussion for today, and we're going to answer questions. We're going to answer these questions that you all have, and uh, that's always been on your mind about relationships. It is a hot topic, all right? And this is something where it's like, oh, some people like this. Yes, yes, preach it, Tyler. Preach it. Let these people know right next to me who they really are and that their dating relationship is so awkward, so dumb. Just have them break up, all right? I'm not here to break you up, okay? I'm not here to counsel you, I'm not here to break you up. I'm just here to give you God's word and what God expects of us, okay? So here's some questions that we always ask. Here's some questions. Is dating between a Christian and a non-Christian okay? Is dating between a Christian and a non-Christian okay? Number two, does God mind if I date this non-believer? Does God mind that? Is, does God really mind if I date a non-believer? I'm a believer, they're not. Does God mind? Number three, what if I can lead them to the Lord through dating? That's my favorite. What if I can lead them to the Lord through my dating relationship and they get to know Jesus through me? That's ridiculous. Honestly, that's my, that's my favorite one, but it's the worst one. And we're going to talk about that. What if I can lead them to the Lord through dating? Mm, I don't think so. Those are the questions we're going to talk about today. And it's in God's word, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Let's read it. And we're going to talk about today's study and how it applies to us today. Paul says in verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, and I'm going to talk about what that word means, 
For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? And that's another word for Satan. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today's study, and we thank you for the beautiful weather you've given us. And Father, we also thank you for the worship. Bless the worship team as they lead us into your presence. And Father, now we want to worship you through the reading of your word and studying it. And God, this is a topic for all of us today, what it means to have a relationship um, with you first, but then have relationships with others, dating, and how to, how to date in a good way, Lord, how to date in the way you want us to, that ultimately leads up to marriage. So I pray that this would convict some, Lord, of those that are in a dating relationship, I pray that you would bless them, I pray that it is pure and holy unto you. Father, if there are some that are dating in a not good relationship, Lord, I pray that this would be convicting, that this would challenge them, that your Holy Spirit would be there to to maybe have some separation, that their eyes would be open, and then you would, they would see the truth that you have for us today. And Father, you've, you've created marriage. It's a wonderful thing. And to, to, to be married, we first must date, get to know people. So Father, help us to learn something new from your word and what it means to date your way. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. All right, let's go back to verse 14. Verse 14 says this, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, what does that word yoke mean, all right? He's talking about egg yolks. Do not be egg yoked together. What is that? What is Paul talking about? Come on. All right, verse 14 has some serious uh, context going back to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 10. If you want to write that down, feel free. Deuteronomy 22, verse 10. That's what the, the first time yoked is found in the Bible. And it's where the Lord prohibits the Israelites to yoke two different animals together. Now, yoking, I know it sounds like a terrible word, I'm just bear with me, okay? Yoking was basically having two animals side by side, basically a wooden frame or a wooden pole stuck on their shoulders, these beasts of animals, and they would be used for plowing or for farming. And so God says, put together two oxen or two donkeys or whatever and have them go at it and you use them for farming, but don't put two animals of the different, uh, kind of a different species. Don't put a donkey with an oxen because guess what? Chaos and confusion are going to happen. Donkeys and oxen, if you haven't learned, are two different types of animals. They have two different types of desires and wants, and they're just crazy animals, and they don't like each other, okay? And so Paul is saying, uh, yoking between two animals with a wooden pole in that day was forbidden by the Lord, all right? That's why he uses it for today's language and application for us today. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers, so he pulls Deuteronomy 22 and applies it now in 2 Corinthians, and it's two different people. In Deuteronomy, it's two different, totally different animals. God forbids. And now today, Paul is using that same language and applying for us today, and it's in God's word that God forbids us as believers being yoked, having a wooden pole next to someone else that doesn't know Jesus, that's a non-believer, and going forward. And let's see what happens. So Paul is saying, don't be yoked with unbelievers. Now he lists a series of questions, hypothetical questions, to illustrate his point. Okay, he's saying, church, don't be yoked with unbelievers. And they would have, gotten, they would have known what this is all about. And basically, what the Bible is saying is, it's all about influence. How is this other person influencing you? If there is a non-believer and you're intimate with that other non-believer, how is that influencing you in a right way? It's not. 
If you have two believers together, that influence is a little better. You both have stuff in common. If there's a Christian and a non-believer, though, that's a different story. So basically, the Bible's talking about all about influence. And Paul, what he's saying here in the first verse, don't be yoked with unbelievers, what he's basically saying is don't become yoked or linked or joined or an intimate relationship emotionally, spiritually, and physically. He says don't do it. If they don't share your faith in Jesus, you are not to be with them in an intimate relationship. I'm not talking about a friendship or witnessing to them, being salt and light. That Je Jesus tells us to do that. But when you start becoming intimate, romantic, start liking this person, the Bible says that's a no-no. Now let's look and see these different questions uh, one by one. We're going to talk about them. These hypothetical, illustrated questions that Paul gives us in the first verse. And the first three up here on the screen is ask yourself. This is what Paul was trying to ask, trying to ask the Corinthian church. Ask yourself this, church. Ask yourself these questions. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? He's using all these illustrations, using different language and different words. What fellowship, number two, what fellowship can light have with darkness? All right, we're going to talk about that. Number three, what harmony is there between Christ and Satan? What harmony is there between Christ and Satan? Number four and five, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And number five, what agreement is there in the temple of God and of idols? Number one, let's look at the first one. Read it again. Verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Now this is the first one. Truthfully, honestly, the truth is you can't know someone, you can't know their heart unless you are intimately with them. If there's some romantic, if you are liking this person, if there's some flirting going on, you can't know the truth about their heart until you've got to know them intimately. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, what, is the, is the Christian the righteousness and the, the non-believer's wickedness? Well, yes, in a, in a word, yes. Now, we're all sinners. We're all wicked in God's sight, if you will. Now, when you become a believer in Jesus, God sees you on, as his righteousness. He sees you as a believer now. But we're still sinners at heart. But now what Paul is saying is, here's, here's the verbiage, here's the language now. What, what in common is there between righteousness and now wickedness? What do they have in common? Nothing. If you're a believer now in Jesus, and you start becoming intimate with someone else, Paul says that's a no-no. That's what the Bible says. The truth is you can't know someone until you know them intimately. And God's warning here is not to become intimate with someone who doesn't believe in him. That's God's warning. He says also, he's basically saying, don't even get started with becoming close with an unbeliever. And when I mean close, I'm talking about relationship and dating close. If you have friends that are non-believers, that's great. Be a witness to them. Bring them to church. Have them, you know, read your Bible to them. Ask them questions about their faith. But what I'm talking about, the context is relationships and dating. You're not going to be able to know someone Intimate, truthfully, you're not going to be able to know someone until you become intimate and you understand their heart. Because again, we're all wicked. We're all sinners. But if you start liking someone as a Christian, you like someone who's a non-believer, you get to know them pretty well, you get to see their true heart. And God's saying don't even get started as a Christian getting close with this non-Christian. And I know a lot of us have fallen into this. And maybe you're going through it now. We're going to talk about this. Again, this is a hot topic. This is something that we're going to go through every day now. You're high schoolers. You understand what dating is. You understand what flirting is. You understand what 
hormones change. You understand, I like this person now. They like me. It makes me feel good. Butterflies in my stomach get a little nervous, hands sweaty. I like this person. Hope they like me. All right? We're high schoolers. We know that. Paul is saying now, what do the righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing. God's saying, don't even start. Don't even start down that road. Number two, what does it say here? It says, what fellowship can light have with darkness? That's a pretty stark contrast. Light and darkness. That's a pretty big contrast, all right? Now, what fellowship is there between light and darkness? Basically, if you want to just have it in a nutshell, Christians are in the light. Non-Christians are not. Non-Christians are in the dark. They're walking in the dark. They walk the way the world walks. They talk the way the world talks. They're influenced by the way the world is influencing them. Christians are supposed to be in the light. Non-Christians are walking in the dark. There's no fellowship there. They're not going to want to follow God's rules. If there's a non-believer walking in the dark, you start liking them, guess what? Light and darkness, they have no fellowship together. The non-believers are not going to want to follow God's rules unless they get radically changed. A miracle happens that they get to know Jesus personally. All right? But the, the contrast between light and darkness, Paul is trying to make a, an illustration here. Light and darkness, there's nothing in common with them. Christians are to be in the light, and I hope you're walking in the light. First John tells us to walk in the light. Non-Christians are walking in the dark. They're lost. We were once lost until we became, we became a Christian, know Jesus, and now we're into his marvelous light. There is no fellowship between light and darkness. They're not going to want to follow God's rules. You are, though. You're going to want to follow God's rules. They're not. So where's the influence there? And number three, what harmony is there between Christ and Satan? That's pretty deep. Paul's saying, hey, church, what harmony is there between Christ and Satan? Satan is Christ's enemy, all right? He's, he's been the enemy from the beginning. He's our enemy, too. He wants nothing to do but kill, steal, and destroy us. So Paul's saying, what uh, harmony is there between Christ and Satan? There's nothing. Unbelievers, and this is where it's, he's talking about, unbelievers, and perhaps un, unwittingly, that they, they don't really truly mean to do this. Maybe they're not really knowing what they're doing. But unbelievers usually sometimes they do, will try to, so hard to destroy your beliefs in Jesus and your commitment to him. It's just going to happen. If you start dating a non-believer and you're a Christian, usually sometimes they're going to want you to follow what they're doing. They're not going to say, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Sure, I'll go to church. Now, maybe sometimes. That's a rare occasion. But usually if you're a Christian dating a non-believer, they're going to influence you in the way that they're doing, what they're talking about, what, where they're hanging out. What they're, how they're living. They're going to want nothing to do with the church until God changes them. So there's that contrast. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Unbelievers are living in the darkness right now. There may be some that if you get in that relationship and you get too close intimately, they are going to want to destroy your faith and commitment in Jesus. It's just going to happen. They're not going to want to do the same thing you're doing. They're not going to want to come to church, per se. They're not going to really want to read their Bible. That can, in itself can maybe destroy your faith. And you start wondering, man, it, what I believe it, is that actually true? Why do, I even, why do I go to church? See that influence there? A Christian dating a non-Christian, there can be strong influence. And usually it's the other way around. It's usually very rare that the Christian will take the non-believer into church. Because it's all about influence. We're still sinners. We live in our flesh. We're going to be influenced in the way that pleases our flesh. So Paul says, what harmony is there between Christ and Satan? There's nothing. There's no harmony there. There needs to be harmony in a godly relationship. Number four, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? That's what Paul says here in, in verse 
15. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? And what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Nothing. A believer prays, goes to church, has small groups, has Bible studies, walks with the Lord, asks questions, memorizes verses, wants to grow in their faith. A non-believer, eh, nothing. Doesn't want any of that. So there's nothing in common. Unless Christ comes in their hearts, changes them miraculously, and they want to know Jesus in a personal way. But you as a Christian, you're going to want to come to church, youth group, you want to get to know the Lord even more, you're going to want to go to summer camp and winter camp, you're going to want to praise Him and worship Him, you're going to want to listen to Christian music, you're not going to want to cuss anymore, you're going to want to live a holy life, you're going to want to read your Bible and memorize verses. The non-believer doesn't want to do that. They just don't. That's the difference there. The truth is, there's, there's, there's things that are important to you that aren't so important to a non-believer. So you want to read your Bible. The non-believer says, why do you read that? I'm not going to read that. Where's the influence there? How are you going to handle that? What is it there that a believer has in common with a non-believer? None. There's nothing. Number five, what agreement is there in the temple of God and idols? And that's the story in here that our bodies, Paul talks about this in other passages, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're not our own. We were bought at a price. Honor God with your body. Our bodies are symbolic of the temple. That was the temple in Jerusalem of the Lord. That's, all, that's who we are now. We're a temple now of the Holy Spirit. So what in agreement is there between the temple and God's idols? Idols today could be money, could be popularity, could be nice looking cars, could be, hey, I'm, I'm prom king or prom queen, look at me, pride. That can be an idol. How, how good do I look financially? How, how much money am I making? People liking me. Those are, those are idols today. Anything you put first before God is automatically an idol. So what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? If you start bringing in these idols in the temple of God, that's a big no-no. Because the non-believers, the world is going to want to do what the world wants to do. They're going to want to show off all their money. They're going to show off how popular they are. They're going, to, they're going to want to do all the things that, that lead them away from the Lord. They're going to want to do all the parties. They're going to want to do all the drinking. They're going to want to do all the drugs. These are idols in today's world. They're going to want to do all these things. You, as a believer, shouldn't even want to do that, shouldn't even entertain the thought. So Paul says, what agreement is there between idols and God's temple? Nothing. So those are the questions. How are, how are the non-believers influencing your life as a, as a believer? Especially now if you're thinking of dating one. Maybe in this room you are dating one. That's a non-believer. He's not asking us to do this. He's commanding us to do this. He's not saying, hey, try this out. It might work out for you. No. He's saying, do not be yoked with a non-believer. Okay? Again, so number one, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing. Number two, what fellowship can light have with darkness? Nothing. There is no fellowship there. Number three, what harmony is there between Christ and Satan? There is no harmony there. They're enemies. Number four, what does a believer have in common with a non-believer? Nothing. Number five, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols and idolatry? Nothing. So we have to ask ourselves, am I dating in God's way or am I dating the way I want to do it? This was happening in the Corinthian church. That they were, you know, seeking out after people that were non-believers, getting married, having relationships with them. Paul says, this, this can't happen. This can't happen. The world just wants to suck all the life out of the church. The world wants to pull you astray. The world wants to take you down and destroy you. 
Everything looks good, but they're slowly wanting to take you down the slippery slope. In the end, it leads to nowhere. It leads to death, honestly. Now, you may ask, all right, Pastor Tyler, I, don't, I see the don'ts, and I see what the Bible is saying, and I see all the stuff. We're not supposed to do this, not supposed to do that. Okay, I get all that. Now, how am I supposed to do that? What's the formula? How am I supposed to do that? Now, I'm not a matchmaker, okay? I can try to be. I can try to be a matchmaker. And honestly, I think God has given me the gift of discernment. I can pretty well tell who you're liking. I'm not, I'm not a magician. I'm not someone like I can read your mind like, oh, I think you like her. Oh, I think you like him. No. But I do have pretty good discernment where I have asked people uh, years ago, and even when, when, I was, when I was in high school or in college, I'd ask a buddy, hey, how is she? Who? Who? The girl you've been seeing for the past five months, I guess? Oh, uh, yeah, what about her? I'm asking you, how is she? I know you two are smitten of each other. I know you two are a little flirting a little bit. How is she? Well, how, how, how'd you know? Come on, that's, that's private. Dude, I see you around everywhere, holding hands, doing the, the long, extensive hugs that are just gross. I see you. Come on. You can't hide it. And sometimes I can see it in the youth group. I can see who you're smitten of, and I love using that word smitten. It's a good old 50s word. I see who you're eyeing. I'm not trying to be creepy. I'm just seeing, all right? Now, don't think like, oh, great, Pastor Tyler's going to look at me and her, and look at her and him, and just see like, oh, great. Now he knows that we're dating, and now he's going to like judge me for that, and now he's going to like look weird on me, and he's just a creeper now. No. <clears throat> Although I can be if you want me to, but I won't. Uh, now, I'm not, again, a matchmaker, as, my, as I was saying, but I do have some successful dating points, if you will. Right, let's get a little juicy now, all right? We went through the hard stuff, and I can say that because I'm, I, you know, I dated and I married, and hey, I'm a winner. I can tell you, I can, I can, I did it, all right? I did the whole dating thing. You can't tell me, Tyler, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know if I like this girl or not. You don't know if I like this guy or not. You don't, you don't know anything about dating, or you don't know what's going on in my life, or all the drama stuff. You have no idea. Hello, I was in high school too. I know, I know, all right? My first crush was in elementary school. I was a fifth grade student, my first crush. Did she like me? No. <coughs> I'm not bitter, but I married the most beautiful woman in the world anyway, so I don't need her anymore. I have her right here. I wonder why she sat in the front row now. I wonder why now. It's all making sense. <coughs> here we go. Uh, pointers for successful dating. God's way, especially dating God's way. We've heard the why. We see what the Bible says of why not to date this way, why to not date a non-believer. There's nothing in common. It is all about influence. How are they going to influence you in a way that's holy? They aren't. If it's a, a non-believer dating a believer, there's no influence there. All right? So successful dating tips. Number one, for you all that are dating or thinking of beginning a relationship, there's something going on. There's stirring. There's a fire kindling. You're like, I think he likes me. And he's clueless. That's usually how the guys are. I think he likes me. No, he actually doesn't know who you are. So he doesn't know you exist. Guys are clueless. They are. Guys are clueless. And guys read into stuff way too much. They're like, I think she likes me. Dude, no, she doesn't even know you, all right? The girls are like, I think he likes me. No, he's just an airhead. He has no idea who you are. Maybe girls and guys are clueless alike. All right, we're all clueless. Anyway, successful dating points. Here we go. Number one, seek the Lord. Ooh, big one. That's a big one. Seek the Lord. You thought it was going to be like, oh, Oh, don't hold hands until you're 16. Don't hold hands. No. 
They're not those kind of childish pointers. Here we go. Number one, we're grown-ups. We're high schoolers now. Seek the Lord. That's number one. Matthew 6, verse 33. Write that down. Jesus says, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, meaning God's kingdom, God's righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All these things will be given to you. You want a good godly relationship? You want a good godly spouse later in life for marriage? Seek first Jesus. Amen? Seek first Jesus. Seek the Lord. Read His Word. Pray. Ask God. We all have desires. Ask God, God, I want the most beautiful woman in all the world. Maybe He'll give it to you. Maybe not. But we'll see. Ask Him. Ladies, ask. God, I just, I just want a, a handsome, tall, dark-looking man that, that doesn't have to be rich, but that just looks good and will take care of me. Just hold me. Hold me. Just want someone to hold. Isn't that weird how guys and girls are different? I'll give you a perfect example of how guys and girls are different. I'm getting way off topic. Guys, we go to the bathroom alone. Girls, you go in like groups of 12. <clears throat> Am I right? You're like a, a herd of swine going in. <laughs> running to the bathroom. Guys are like, hey, what are you, why are you following me? Oh, sorry. You want to go in first? Yeah, please. Need my privacy. I did that once too. I was like in high school walking into the bathroom and the guy was like right behind me. I'm like, hey dude, can you just wait until I'm done? And it's like a 12 person bathroom too. And I was just being kind of funny. And I was like, can you just wait? I need privacy. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't even want to go in with you anyway. It's all right. <laughs> Girls are like, hey, can you come in with me? Hey, you too, you too, you too. Come on. <laughs> it's weird. I don't understand it. Guys, we don't understand it. We don't understand it. Ladies. I, I don't know. <clears throat> if you want a godly relationship, ask the Lord. Seek His face. Seek first His kingdom. And He's going to give you the desires of your heart. Number two. Number two. Make the decision to only date believers. I'm not being legalistic. Don't think that, oh, he just doesn't know anything. He's being so judgmental and so, he's all about rules and legalistic. No. I'm just reading what the Bible says. And I, and I happen to agree with it. All right? Make the decision to only date believers. Honestly, you're not going to regret it, and God's true blessing for your life will happen in that way if you do it His way. Make that decision right now. Say, God, I'm only going to date believers that only share my faith. And again, and please don't do this. Don't, don't be the person that says, well, I'll, if I date them, they'll come to know Jesus. I'll just be a little, it's called missionary dating, all right? I'm not a fan of missionary dating. It's very rare that that happens where you date someone and that person becomes a believer through the dating relationship. All right, here's a little tip. They need the Holy Spirit first, not you. All right? A non-believer needs the Holy Spirit first, not you. You're not going to save them. Jesus will. Amen? Amen. And I'm getting a little fired up right now. All right? This is good stuff. Let the Holy Spirit minister to them, not you and holding hands. All right? It's not going to do it. All right? Let the Holy Spirit minister to them. Make the decision to only date believers. Number three, honor your parents. Honor your parents. Honestly, the Bible talks extensively about honoring your parents. And you all are still living under your household of your parents or your guardians or whatever, but honor who's in authority over you right now, your parents. If they make rules and like, hey, you're not going to date until this age, honor them. Don't break the rules. If they're going to say, hey, you need a curfew, honor that. They say, hey, I don't think I want you dating this person. Honor that. And honestly, I did that. There was a girl I liked in high school. My dad said, I don't think you should be dating her. I don't want you to, to really even talk to her. I think she's a bad influence. 
broke my heart, but uh, had to be done. And sure enough, worked out, because I, she's just weird, okay? <laughs> and there was nothing I could, would have done to change that. And so, honor your parents, all right? Number four, we're gonna go really quick. Start slow, start slow. Go in groups, hang out with groups, with that person you like. Say, hey, let's go to Rita's. Let's get some frozen custard. Take a group of 10, all right? I love Rita's. Take a group, go in a group, all right? And limit, limit, shh, limit the one-on-one -on -one times. If you're dating and you're on one-on-one -on -one dates every single night, all right, just have fun with groups, all right? Start slow, you're not married yet. Don't rush into it. God's got his timing, his perfect plan for who you're gonna marry, all right? Start slow, go in groups, get to know that person. You'll get to know a person in a big group, especially. If you're one-on-one -on -one with that person all the time, you don't get to know them that well. If you're in a big group, you get to know them, either good or bad, like, uh-huh, I'm not dating her anymore. Be a little weird, because she may be flirting with your best friend, you have no idea. Mm-hmm, all right, start slow. Number five, set limits, all right? Set limits, and I'm talking physical, all right? This is one of the biggest things and the challenging things as Christians, starting slow and setting limits. How far is too far? That's the biggest question I've heard. How far is too far? If you have to ask that question, you should know then. All right? I'm not going to talk about whether holding hands or kissing is a big thing. You know, we're adults and you have to set your limits. But I will tell you this, premarital sex is a forbidden and a sin in the Bible. That is a big no-no. And if you have fallen into this, there is hope and there's forgiveness. There is. God wants to forgive you, wants to cleanse you from all that unrighteousness, and you can start anew. You can start afresh. But if you have fallen into this, and you've gone too far, God wants to forgive you. Repent. Trust in him. And give it to the Lord. He wants to forgive you. But we are to glorify the Lord in all we do. And if you're going too far, ladies and gentlemen, in your dating relationships, if it's not glorifying the Lord, then stop and maybe even break up. There needs to be sometimes separation. If there's too much that's going too far, separate. God's way is the best way. It's not all about rules. It's not all about regulations. It's not all about wearing and tearing us down, and God doesn't have anything for us. He's always against us. No. God loves marriage. He designed it. He loves the dating. You've got to know someone before you get married. I'm all for dating, honestly. I am. But in these rules, seek the Lord. Make the decisions to date only believers. You gotta honor your parents. You can't just honor, you know, what I'm saying. Honor your parents and their rules. You live in their house. And then again, start slow <clears throat> and set your limits. We need to do this. This is a big discussion. Again, the application, don't become yoked, linked, or joined emotionally, spiritually, or physically with others who don't share your faith in Jesus. You can't do it. Number two, don't date to save them. They need the Holy Spirit first, not you. Don't date to save them. Bring them to youth group, bring them to church, invite them to Bible studies, let them get saved by the Holy Spirit. And number three, are you dating? Ask yourself, am I dating just to date or am I dating because I feel like God's leading me into something special where marriage is the end point? If you're just dating to date, why? Dating is all about finding God's special person for you in your life to marry eventually. And if you feel like this dating relationship isn't going anywhere, maybe it's time to break up because God probably doesn't have that person for you. That person is for someone else. Why am I dating? Ask yourself that. Again, I'm all for dating in the right way and in the right context and in God's word, what he says. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. I really do.
I pray for you. I pray for all the relationships. I do. Pray for me, my marriage. I want you guys to be praying for me too. All right? I want to see you guys grow in the Lord, date, on, date uh, according to God's word, date holy. That's pleasing to him. That's glorifying to him. And one day, marriage should be good. All right? Let's pray. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.